So today I want to ask the question of when was the last time you experienced some major disappointment? Uh, we've all experienced some disappointment. Someone was like, oh, just right now. Like I was, exp- I thought someone was saying something. Um, hopefully not. <laughs> when was the last time you experienced a major disappointment? When there's a lot of excitement, there's a lot of expectation, a lot of anticip- anticipation, and then boom, a letdown. So I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking about this time. I was five years old, and I was out uh, playing outside doing something, and my dad yelled and said, hey, come, I got some exciting news. And I came running across our yard, and in his hands were tickets to Disneyland. And I be, and I was, I've never been to Disneyland in my life. I was five years old. I heard the stories. I, I didn't even know what it was. Gonna, I just was like, that's amazing. Like, let's go. And so weeks passed because they wanted to plan it. And weeks of anticipation building up of me talking to my brother, talking to my sister, and saying, man, this is going to be amazing. We're going to go to Disneyland. What everyone's talked about is finally happening to us. And so uh, the day finally came. We packed up. We crammed all these kids, uh, us three kids, into this geoprism and, um, and drove hours uh, on our way to Disneyland. And, man, if you've ever traveled with kids, like if, once you do that as an adult and you travel with young kids, man, you realize something that just recently I had to call my mom up. I just called her up, and I just said, Mom, I'm sorry. She's just like, what? I'm just sorry, Mom. And I just left it at that because I felt like I need to. Because after going traveling with kids, man, you just, it gives you some perspective. It gives you some patience in life. But anyways, we were traveling uh, over the grapevine going into the L.A. area. And I remember, I still remember, five years old, sitting in the back seat. And my mom sitting in the front, the passenger seat. And then all of a sudden, I see my mom do something that changed everything. It stopped the whole anticipation of the the car ride. It's halted everything. All of a sudden, we just see her do this. And everyone, we were just like, we paused. It was just like this awkward silence. Like, was was there a fly on your head or something? You just had to smack it? That's what we were kind of hoping for. We were looking back at each other like, what's what's going on? It was like, it seemed like the whole minute passed. We were just like staring. And all of a sudden, my mom said, we forgot the tickets. And so right then my mind went to, we're never going to Disneyland. Like, we're not, we're not going. Five years old, my dreams were crushed. My life is over. It's like the worst thing that could ever possibly happen just happened to me. And we have these disappointments often in our life. And I read the story about two guys who had major disappointment. These two characters were walking this seven-mile journey with their heads hanging low. The passage was just read on screen. Tells the story of these two characters, one named Cleopas, and the other one didn't even get a name, which I feel bad for the guy. Like, the other guy got a name, and the other person's like, who knows who he is? He doesn't even have a name. So I personally feel bad for the guy, but there's a, one's name, one's not. They're walking on this road, but they were feeling defeated. They were feeling definitely disappointed, and they were feeling confused. They're thinking, hey, I thought Jesus was going to rise from the dead. I thought he said he was talking about it, and I thought Jesus, you know, we talked to him while he was here, and we saw him die. We saw him up there on the cross. We saw him put him in the tomb, but then I guess he's not, 
I guess it's not happening. And they were leaving Jerusalem, and they were walking back to Emmaus. They were walking this seven-mile road to Emmaus. So I don't know if anybody here has ever felt defeated, ever felt disappointed, or felt confused. Maybe on this journey of life, you feel defeated, disappointed, and confused because you say, man, I did not expect life to go this way. I was thinking it would pan out a little bit differently in my head. And so often that happens, but I want to say if you're here today and if that's you, you're in, you're in good company because I want to share the story of how evidence was revealed to these two guys and that, that Jesus showed himself that he's real and that he's alive, that he is the evidence, and he showed himself real to these two characters. And what I want to, the main thing I want to talk to you, tell you today, if you forget everything I say, that's cool. If you just remember this one thing, is that Jesus wants to show you that he's real. He wants to show you personally that he is real, that he's not just this concept, he's not just this idea, he's not just even just a belief, but he is real and that he is for you and that he wants to give you life and freedom, that he wants to encounter you and absolutely change your life and take away any bondage, any shame, any guilt, and he wants to give you life and he wants to give you freedom. That's what I want to tell you today is that Jesus wants to show you he's real. In the earlier service, because we had two services today for the first time ever. Can someone make some noise for two services? Come on. You guys are amazing that you're, you're, I mean, our team did so much leading up to this. I'm so grateful for so many people, like I was talking about earlier, that give. But in the earlier service, I realized I told the story about Disneyland, and I did not conclude it. And people were literally mad at me after they were like out there like, dude, did you go to Disneyland? And so I'm going to give you the conclusion. We still went to Disneyland. We just, yeah, you can clap it up. I went to Disneyland. Like most random thing you can clap for. But uh, we, we, uh, but we had to drive all night to do it. Like I was like, we slept in the car and then got up the next morning and then my brother forgot his shoes then. And we're like, Cal, why'd you forget your shoes? And we're like, that's it, we're just going to get you some shoes. And Cal was just like, oh, I don't know, I forgot my shoes. And so we were all, it was a crazy morning, but we still went to Disneyland. And maybe that still ties into the story because, see, sometimes a disappointment is just a delayed disappointment. Sometimes a disappointment is saying, hey, I just want you to trust me. I want God's saying, I just want you to trust me. Maybe you, your situation is where you're at right now but I'm gonna reveal myself that I am still good. I am here for you. So if you're feeling that way, Jesus wants to show you that he's real, as I was saying, and the title of today is Evidence. So we were kind of talking about evidence. And, and what I wanna to talk to you today is not the list of evidence, because I could tell you about the 500 people that saw him after he died and rose, or the, the empty tomb. I mean, that's pretty good evidence right there. But I wanna to talk to you about how that evidence was revealed. I want to talk to you how about how that evidence was revealed to Cleopas and this unknown character walking this seven-mile journey. In other words, how Jesus showed himself the evidence. Because the best way to prove that you're not dead is to walk seven miles with them. I mean, I mean, I feel like that's a pretty good way, right? That's a pretty good way to show you that you're that you're not dead. And so Jesus walked with these characters. And so here's what I want to share, share with you. Four things I see in here really quickly about how Jesus wants to show you he's real. And number one is just that he will walk with you. So there was a seven-mile journey, and Jesus, it just says he just kind of came up and walked alongside him, just snuck up alongside him. And I believe in that, in that seven-mile journey, which probably took about two hours, 
you can really get to know somebody when you, when you take a journey with them. Like, you just do. And so uh, what I, re- I realized that because four years ago, I started driving for Lyft. And so the concept is amazing. You just drive your car, and you just get random people to sit in your car, and basically you got them trapped in there. You can talk to them about whatever you want. It's amazing. Like, I love it. Um, and so I started doing this about four years ago, and, um, and I, started, I just really liked it. And so I was just driving people around and getting to know some people I never would ever talk to in my life. And, uh, but sometimes, and so I would like to let the passenger have some fun. I didn't want them just to be this stale car ride. So I would always let them plug in their music. I would have an aux cord so they could plug in their phone and play whatever song they wanted. And, um, and sometimes I realized that their music wasn't exactly the music that I like to listen to. And so there was this one Friday night where I was driving around some 20 something and uh, it was a Friday night. They were having a good time. and say, hey, man, let me plug in my cord. Let me plug into the aux cord. And I was like, all right, cool. And they all piled in there. They were, the energy in the car was just awesome. They were like, yeah, we're going out. This is fun. This is fun. And then they plug in the song. They're like, all right, turn it up. And that particular song was not the song that I would typically listen to. Uh, I'll say it like this. As I was listening to it, the lyrics went a little something like this. I've been practicing a bleep this and bleep that and bleep this and bleep that and bleepity bleepity bleep 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 bleep. Like that was like the words to the song. I was driving and literally all of them started singing along to it. And I was driving in the car and all these guys are singing the bleep song together. And I was like, this is a little weird. What do I, what do, I do? And then I was like, I just kind of like sucked it up and I was just like, oh, I'm just trying to tune this out. I don't really like the bleep song that much. And so... Uh, and so the next day, I was, dri- I was driving, I think I was by myself, and literally the bleep song came into my head. Like, it was stuck in my head. And I was thinking to myself, dude, I can't have the bleep song in my head. I'm a pastor. Like, this is not how it's supposed to be. And so I was like, you know what? I just can't, can't like, I got I to gotta monitor this a little bit, who I let play their music. And so right, it was literally the next day as I was driving, and I get this phone, I get this uh, request to go pick someone up in Sacramento, and uh, as I was going to pick them up, they called me and said, hey, man, could you take me to the bay? And I was like, yeah, more money or more miles, more money for me. That sounds great. Let's, I'll drive you all the way to the bay. I'll drive you wherever you want to go. And so, um, and so I get there. As, as I'm driving there, I'm thinking, wait a second. What if he likes the bleep song too? Like, <laughs> like this is a two-hour ride. Like I could do it for just like a five-minute ride, and that's like not a big deal. But what if he's we're in the car for two hours listening to the bleep song? Uh, I do not want that. So I literally grabbed my aux cord and hit it. And so I'm like, all right, we'll be good. And then so we, we, uh, I pull up into to his apartment complex, and then he comes out, and he opens the door. The first thing out of his mouth is, hey, man, you got an aux cord up in here? And I looked at him dead serious. I was all, nope. <laughs> and, and this is what his response. He's all, all right, it's cool. I got one in the house. I'll go grab it. And he just starts to walk and grabs it away. And I'm like, man, okay, now I'm in a little predicament. This is why you don't lie. Um, and so, so I, uh, he comes in, he plugs his aux cord. Turns out he likes the bleep song too. And so we're in the car. And then finally I have to turn to him and be like, hey, I'm going to be honest. I actually do have an aux cord. I just don't like the bleep song. And I just not down with the bleep every two seconds in the music. And so I'm going to have to like not play the bleep song. And so if you guys didn't know, like, after you take a ride, you rate the driver five stars, one to five stars. 
And so you want to get five stars, obviously. And his response after I told him we're not listening to the bleep song, he just looked at me and said, you just dropped a star, bro. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll take, I'll, take a, I'll take a loss for the bleep song. And so uh, we actually ended up driving. It got a lot better after that, believe it or not, as we had a great conversation along the way, and I got to know him a lot more on, the way, on a journey together. And that's what I want, I believe, Jesus does to us. I think we have this concept of Jesus is just looking down on us. We see God as this picture of just someone who's like, oh, yeah, I'm just looking down at you. But the very nature of him coming to earth was so that he can walk with us. And that is, it is true with you. If you think that God is just some distant, some foreign, some off, off object, this off idea or concept, it, that's wrong. That Jesus, the truth is, Jesus is here to walk with you. He's here to get to know you. He's, he's walking alongside, just like he walked inside these two disciples, and he said, hey, I'm just walking next to you, and he's asking questions. He's concerned about what you're concerned about, and he wants to understand you more. You need to know today that Jesus wants to walk with you, and that's how he shows himself he's real. The second thing is, is he wants to reveal truth. He wants to reveal truth to your situation. That's how he shows himself he's real. And you need some friends that will straight up tell you the truth. You know how some, sometimes you're in a situation and you're like, I do want to tell that person something, but I don't know them that well. But true friends will tell you if you got a booger hanging out of your nose. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, that's, that's just a true friend. He's like, no, dude, you got a booger. It may be a little awkward because you're like, dude, you got to just, you know, it's kind of awkward. But you tell the truth to your real friends. And Jesus tells the truth into every situation. And so this is what he's doing. He's saying in verse 25, he's correcting their thinking. He says, and he, and he said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart, hard to believe all the prophets have, all the believe that all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter in his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. See, the, the disciples, Cleopas and the unnamed guy, were doubting. They were like, uh, well, they heard, they heard the tomb was empty, but they didn't believe the source. They didn't even go check for themselves. They were walking down. They were quick to, to uh, throw in the towel and say, I guess Jesus didn't make it. I guess he didn't, didn't make it out of the tomb. They actually heard from other people, as it said there, they heard the report that the tomb was empty, but they didn't believe it because they were walking with their heads hanging low, just discussing this and saying, man, I guess, I guess Jesus didn't make it, but he was correcting their thinking. He's saying, man, how quickly you are to, to doubt and how slow you are to believe in the prophets. And so I believe Jesus comes alongside of us and he's not afraid to correct our thinking. And I think some of us have been thinking, thinking incorrect about our, our, ourselves, about who we are, our identity. Some of us have been thinking, man, I'm insignificant. Some of us have been thinking, man, I don't have a purpose. Some of us have been thinking I'm worthless. I don't have any value. See, Jesus tells you that you do have purpose, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus tells you that I created you on purpose. Jesus tells you that you have so much of value that I knit you together in your mother's womb. One of the things that I feel need necessary to correct in a lot of people's thinking is this, this phrase, I'm good enough. I hope I'm good enough. See, th I ask the question a lot of times in Uber and Lyft rides is um, I ask them, so what do you believe? 
What do you believe? Where's your faith at? Did you grow up in church? I asked these kinds of questions instead of just coming at them and trying to preach at them. I tried that. It didn't work so well. And so I just have more conversations, just kind of like how Jesus did. And a lot of times, this is what it comes down to. I ask, I, I ask them about their faith. Maybe I grew up in church, or maybe I didn't, or maybe I've heard the idea of God. Sounds good. But then I ultimately leads down to this question that kind of is a deciding factor of a question. I ask them, what do you believe happens when you die? Because statistics say 10 out of 10 people die. I read that once. <laughs> so what happens when you die? Because you're going to die. And most people say, well, I guess I believe in the concept of heaven and hell. I'm like, okay, well, how do you determine where you go? And the majority of time, people say that phrase, well, if I'm a good person, I'm going to heaven. And I'm going to correct any of those, that, th that thought process, because that is incorrect. Because there is no one good enough. There is the one good enough, and then he died on the cross. See, the standard for being good is impossible to reach for a human being. See, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, we've all messed up, we've all missed the mark. None of us are good. None of us can meet the mark of the standard of going to heaven. We've all received the penalty of death, according to Romans 3.23. And all of, we've all fallen short. And so the concept is you don't have to be good enough you just have to be connected to the one who gave it all. You just have to know the one. You just have to have an encounter with the one who was good enough and who died for our sin in our place. And that is, that's what Jesus will do to you. He'll correct your thinking. He'll come on and he's not afraid to say, hey, this is the truth. You have value. I'm good enough. You don't have to be good enough. I'm here to take that pain on me. He corrects your thinking. The third thing is this, is that he associates with your pain. He associate, Jesus will show you, show you he's real by associating with your pain. You see, um, Jesus is able to, to, uh, to, to associate with your pain because he's been through it. Like, have you ever asked someone, like you told someone a story about you going through like a really traumatic event and they're just like, yeah, I know what you mean. And they're like, dude, you don't know what I mean. I just talked about how I rolled my car off a cliff. You've never done that before. He's like, yeah, I know what you mean. He's like, were you even listening to my story? And you know, sometimes like people say, you know, I know what you mean, but they haven't been, been where you've been. And uh, did you know that like ladies that give birth, women who give birth, like get in these groups, these lady groups and like talk about birthing stories. It's weird. All right. Like one time I was at a party and there was a, all of a sudden they just like, I don't know if there's a signal they do or something, but there was all of a sudden they gathered together and they literally started sharing birthing stories. It was the freakiest thing I've ever seen. And I just ran for the door as fast as I could. I just ran outside trying to find something else to talk about. Literally anything else to talk about would be great. But they love to do it. They're like, yeah, I know what you mean. This happened to me. This happened to me. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Never once have I looked at my wife when she was talking about, like, the pregnancy or giving birth and be like, yeah, I know what you mean. Because I don't know what, what, I have no idea what it's like. But I will say, well, I feel sorry for you. I will say, like, is there anything I can do to make you feel better? But I don't know what you mean by that. I cannot relate to your pain in that situation. But here's what I want to tell you today is that Jesus is able to relate to your pain. He's able to associate to your pain because he came to the earth and he felt physical pain. He felt emotional pain. And so he can say, I know what you mean. 
So you can come to him with your pain. And Jesus is able to say, I know exactly what you mean. Some of us have been, here, been in here and we've just been hurt by relationships. We've been hurt by other people. Man, Jesus is able to say, I know what you mean. I was betrayed by the closest ones to me. The closest ones to me were the ones that gave me over to be put up on that cross. He knows what it's like to go through emotional pain. And does he ever know what it's like to go through physical pain? Most agonizing way a person can die on that cross, waiting, slowly dying until he gave up his last breath. He did that so he can associate with your pain. And so he can say, man, I see your pain. It was, scripture says in Isaiah 53, he says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that had brought us all, that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. See that payment? See that pain that he went through is for our healing. That, that pain that he went through on the cross was for you. It's not just something we talk about, but there is power. There was something that changed when he hung on that cross. So are you going through physical, emotional pain? Are you going through some kind of pain, or are you just trying to deal with that yourself? Because Jesus not only wants to associate with your pain, but he wants to take that pain and say, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this. I, took, I paid for this whole price on the cross, so you do not have to go through that, and I'm here for you. Last thing is this, is that Jesus will show you he's real by revealing that he's been there all along. See, I find it interesting that these, these two were walking, and they knew Jesus. They walked with him before he went up on that cross, but he didn't, they didn't recognize him. It says somehow that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And so they didn't even realize that Jesus was walking the seven miles with them. They didn't even realize that Jesus was with them all along until they finally, God allowed them to recognize him. And Jesus said, hey, it's me. I've been with you all along. See, some of us have been walking this journey of life, this road to Emmaus, this seven, we've been walking these seven miles with our heads hanging low, defeated, disappointed, and confused. But the evidence is coming in and saying, hey, I've been here all along. Jesus comes in at that moment and he says, hey, I've been here all along. I defeated death and I'm here to give you life and I'm here to give you freedom. You may have walked this last seven miles in shame, but you're not walking this next seven in freedom. You're walking the next same seven miles in life. You're walking this next seven miles in joy. You're walking these next seven miles celebrating who I am and realizing that you are a child of God. And so that's, that's how he reveals himself to you. I want to share the story of real quickly of how Jesus revealed himself to me because I can relate to this. When I was 12 years old, I was experiencing pain. When I was 12 years old, everything I knew of a great family just shifted. My parents split up, which I realize is not uncommon, but it hurt. My parents split up and everything I knew of a great family household just changed and I found myself alone when my mom was working both jobs. And I found myself so discouraged, so confused, like I, life wasn't supposed to go this way. And I remember writing down in my journal because I was often the only person I had to talk to. I remember writing down in my journal saying like, man, would anybody really care if I died? I never contemplated suicide, I never had a plan, but I asked that question. I asked that question, would anybody really care? Is it, would it make a difference? Do I have a purpose here? Well, months after I wrote that, 
I experienced Jesus. Jesus showed me he's real. And he came alongside and walked with me. And he came and corrected some truth that I was thinking. He showed me, man, that I'm not, that I do have purpose, that I created you for a reason, and that I'm here to give you life and hope, and I'm, and I'm here to give you freedom. And then he also came alongside me and he said, hey, look, I've been here all alone, and I know what it's like to go through pain, and I've been here all along. And because of that, that changed. I walked those seven miles, and I started walking this next seven because those disciples still had walked that seven miles away from Jerusalem, and they heard that right then and said, man, we got to turn around. This is great news. We thought you didn't rise from the grave, but you did. You're right here in front of us. Let's go back and tell everybody. And they walked the second seven, the round trip, the second seven in victory. I want to share a story with you. I want you, want you to hear this story of my friend Nick, who was changed because Jesus showed himself real to him. Check this out. Hey, what's going on? My name is Nicholas Lamb. Been going to Project Church about three years now, just over three years. And it was one of those things where I got a new job and felt it was something I needed. Um, I deal with a lot of dark, negative things at work. Because I was talking to my wife about, hey, we should go to church. We got a flyer in the mail for the church. I was like, hey, this looks cool. So why don't we go check it out? So I uh, emailed the website and a guy named Lauren called me. So we talked for a little bit and uh, told my story, what was going on, how I was looking for a church. Towards the end of the conference, was like, well, I'm the pastor there, so it'd be great to see you. So I thought that was really, really cool. So I finally went. So we walked inside and sat down, and, and it was the greatest, most like welcoming feeling. Most welcoming feeling that I had. So here I was sitting in church, never been in church in my life, and started going basically every Sunday. And shortly thereafter, they were doing uh, some next steps, which is a way to learn a little bit more about the church. I went through that and again just kept feeling like wow I should be here this is the place I need to be then shortly after they have a baptism wow I've never been baptized so I went ahead and finally gave my life to Jesus for the first time ever still to this day every time I tell a story it's getting filled with emotion because it means so much to me. I'm so passionate about it. So now, I serve on the team every Sunday. I'm doing our parking and safety. I'm always out front, getting to see the new people that are just like me. Make them feel welcome. That's what I just want to do, because that's what the church said to me, is made me feel welcome. And I love it. Every single Sunday, walking in, seeing friends, new and old. And it's just been an important part of my life. I'm happy that I give myself to Jesus and can call Project Church my home. My name is Nick Lamb, and I am Evidence.
the greatest evidence is a life changed. The greatest evidence of death and resurrection is a life changed, is the physical proof today that you could say, hey, I am evidenced because I've been changed by Jesus. So today I want to celebrate I want to focus on Jesus, but I also want to give an opportunity to respond. If you're saying, man, I've been walking these last seven miles with my head hanging low. I've been walking this life feeling discouraged, feeling disappointed, feeling defeated, and feeling confused on why is it this way? This didn't, isn't the way I planned it for, to go. And I want to give you the, the opportunity for Jesus to reveal himself real, to show himself that I'm real, that I'm associating with your pain, that I'm coming alongside you, that I know what it's like that I'm telling you the truth, I've been there all along. So I want to give you the opportunity to respond to that. Would you bow your heads with me? Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me.